If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying. Is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted. Is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye. Come one, come all. You are listening to the Sixth Sense Report with Darnell Samuels and Joel Nikoloff. Joel, you look under the weather today, man. I might need some health care. <laughs> well, well, I know we where I'm not going. Enough. <laughs> I know where I'm not going. <laughs> you, you'll understand that later. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. So if you guys didn't guess, or you or you saw the title on the podcast, we're talking about health care today, and yeah, let's jump right in. But more, just for more context, Joel, like, so what's your view on health and how's your health been? My health, well, I, I got my check in an indirect way when I found out the, the wife was pregnant. It became time to get some uh, health insurance or mm-hmm. life insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got the super preferred rate. Because I, I don't go to the doctor. I'm just playing. Well, I go to the di- doctor for diagnostics, blood tests, um, and yeah, diagnosis. But um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of uh, pharmacare, let's just say. Okay. Okay. Um, well, for me, uh, my health hasn't been the best. Uh, so it's funny just working on this episode. You know, in my head, I'm like, man, I'm thinking about times where I've been in an emergency, waiting uh, to see somebody, or even just, you know, being in pain and not being able to function uh, properly has really kind of got me thinking like, okay, maybe this healthcare thing isn't so bad. Uh, but, but before we well, get on into that, that, I would say yeah. I agree. Like I got 15 stitches in my forehead. That was... Dude, oh. nobody can tell that I got a scar. That that heroic medicine, ER room, you know, stitching mm-hmm. worked great for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I got an emergency, oh, 100%, I'm going to the hospital or, you know, those right. kind of scenarios. It's, as I said, I use the term pharmacare precisely. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so... But- before we get into the Canadian healthcare system and how it works, this is we're basically we're going to treat this episode like a foundational episode to for those who aren't too sure how the healthcare system works. Because I mean, at the end of the day, when you're sick, you're not concerned how it works. You just Doesn't concerned do- that it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you give them your health card and you're like, "Look, man, I need my medication." Right. So uh, I'll start with the history and then we'll flow into it. So. Before 1939, medical care in Canada, for the most part, was privately delivered and funded. But you can only imagine what life was like for the patient who couldn't afford it. So in 1947, the government of Saskatchewan introduced a a province-wide universal hospital care plan. By 1954, all the provinces and territories had agreed to provide publicly funded inpatient hospital and diagnostic services. So in 18, sorry, in 1984, federal legislation, the Canadian Health Act was passed. This legislation replaced the federal hospital and medical insurance acts. 
So now the question is, how does the Canadian healthcare system work? So Canada's healthcare system covers visits to the doctor and medically necessary hospital care. Once someone goes to fill a prescription, universal public health insurance ends for many Canadians. Pharmacare or universal health care aims to fill the gaps to improve access to prescription drugs. So the percentage coverage is 46% uh, publicly covered, 37% uh, by private companies, and then 17% is left for the individual to pay out of pocket. Uh, the government helps uh, the indigenous, senior citizens, residents of Quebec, those on welfare, and as of 2018, people under uh, 25 in Ontario. So, so Joel, you know, yes, we just talked about like you know some of the benefits, and, and it's good to to have healthcare. But where would you say the system would fall short? Um, the the major criticism I have is that even in the U.S., we have well, U.S. is a little different, but in Canada, definitely, we have legislated MD healthcare. Okay, what do you mean by that? Um, if you want to access the free services, you must go through your MD. Now, that's changing slightly, but a good example would be if I'm going to my chiropractor, and for the U.S. listeners, Chiropractic care in Canada doesn't suck like yours does, but I'll leave it there. Um, <laughs> no, like you can get a chiropractic d degree or, or designation in the US, like stupid easy. Whereas here you require four years of schooling, you know, all of the pre like medical understanding that, that a doctor would do or a nurse. Like there's so much foundational knowledge required that, that it's a completely different chiropractic care in the u.s can be crazy but anyways my point was if you're using let's say a chiropractor as your primary care physician and they say oh i, I want an x-ray well now you need to book an appointment with your doctor to go sit there for probably an hour with the wait time for them to write on a piece of paper he needs an x-ray mm -hmm. but my whereas the chiropractor has all the knowledge base to say, I need, I need more information. Uh, this is a proper test. So the point is that the MD has, has really become this required entry to the free medical. Um, so I consider that problematic um, because the MD has a very um, acute medicine approach, which means narrow it down to the smallest common denominator and we'll treat that symptom. Now, I'm oversimplifying it. Not everyone has that approach. Mm -hmm. Some take a more health-oriented, you know, what are you doing? Are you healthy? Are you active? What are you eating? You know, those kinds of things. Um, like naturopath? Well, no, I'm just saying your your regular doctor. Okay. How, some doctors incorporate that more than others. That's yes. just my point. Yes, right? very true. But, but the point is that We've, we've basically deemed through legislation, MD is where you start. Okay. And I, and I see that problematic because there's a new type of medicine really coming out called functional medicine, 
um, where it's a very holistic approach. So holistic nutrition, natural path, um, pharmacare as well, um, but it's all incorporated. And I think the easiest way for most people to understand how they, they approach it differently would be if you got blood work with your MD and everything was it within its normal ranges, you're done. Whereas the functional medicine would look at you, everything's within the norm, but they're all at the bottom of the ranges. And that's a flag that holistically something's not right mm-hmm. in the diagnosis. So let's dig more. Let's do more tests. Way more tests are coming through a functional medicine or people that are doing research for themselves going, oh, I want this tested or I want that tested. And, and really trying to diagnose from a, from a holistic perspective um, versus manage my symptoms. Right. And it's funny you're, you're talking, you're saying that, and I'm thinking about my experience when I wasn't well. Uh, so for some of you guys who, well, most of you guys don't know, but those who know me clo- um, well, I uh, haven't been <laughs> health, doing well health-wise. Uh, for the past like year and a half. So I was on some drugs and medication and I came off of it cold turkey and I went through withdrawal and there was a lot of complications uh, with my body. So it was like getting a new body once I stopped taking the drugs and learning how these things to function. So everything was just out of whack. So like you said, like something like my blood work, I would go to the MD and they're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. But then I'll go to an alternative doctor and they'll look at the blood work and they'll be like, ah, whoa, but what about these aspects? So yeah, there's, there, there's, there's definitely more than one perspective. But a lot of times is, you know, because of our healthcare system and it's free, well, not free, <laughs> but I, I use it, you know, I use free just because. Um, the so, customer yeah. doesn't bear the cost. Right. But the point, the point I'm making is that um, it's easier. Um, it's easier just to go to our um, regular MD. But I think one of the problems that I have with the, <laughs> with the medical care system is just the practical ones uh, in regards to wait times. So, for example, uh, the Commonwealth uh, funds the tw- 2016 inter- International Health Policy Survey of Adults in 11 countries. So. Canada's report for the longest waits out of 11 countries. So one out of five Canadians reported waiting seven or more days to see a family doctor the last time they needed medical attention. Uh, One out of three Canadians reported waiting for more hours, or sorry, waiting four or more hours the last time they went to the emergency department. And then one out of two Canadians reported waiting four or more weeks to see a specialist. And if you look at more rural scenarios, everything you're saying gets amplified. So I was just listening to the leader of the Libertarian Party mm-hmm. on Tom Wood's show. He was talking average wait times to see your doctor being three months. And they pay in like $30,000 a person. This is uh, Fort McMurray, where he's a firefighter. Mm-hmm. So... He was just giving this anecdotal story, kind of being like, yeah, people, you know, free healthcare. It's great if you have cancer. Mm -hmm. It's great if you have 
a scenario that's going to require hundreds of thousands of dollars in treatment, right? Like that's that's where no one would really argue that we're we're worse off, except when the system acknowledges you can be put in a wait list because your care is not like it doesn't have to like cancer. You need to attack it tomorrow, right? Right. But something or today. <laughs> yeah, or today. I mean, obviously diagnostics and everything involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you have a scenario that can be pushed off, essentially the resources get allocated to you last. Mm-hmm. And so that scenario in Fort McMurray, he was saying like I think nine month wait nine month wait for an MRI. Like it's it was mind boggling because that's not free healthcare. Because an, an MRI, nine-month wait time, could, if you don't know what's wrong, but it ends up being something unsuspecting, like cancer, but it's really, you know, in its early stages, that nine months could make a difference. Mm. Yeah, and, and just to clarify the whole, yeah, healthcare is not free, right? So let's just get it for the, the American listeners. Yeah, healthcare is not free, so, so we pay... Th- pay for it through our taxes mm-hmm. and it's kind of funky because like i'm an accountant i do tax all the time if you look the direct cost number in your taxes is so minuscule right like it ranges depending on income it's i think some let's just say at thirty thousand dollars you pay 300 bucks a year mm-hmm. in your tax when you file your taxes it's a sliding scale where it maxes out at 900 bucks. Mm-hmm. That healthcare tax piece within your when you file your taxes doesn't fund the healthcare. That's just a portion of the funding. Like if we added all that up, it if I'm guessing, I'm, I don't I didn't look into the numbers, but I I would speculate that probably is going to cover 10 to 20%, maybe mm-hmm. even less. Yeah. Well, okay. And I would also add uh, the problem with the healthcare system, but also a positive. So this is a positive and negative, and this will segue us into: uh, Is universal healthcare a good thing? So when I wasn't well and I needed medication, the medication I needed was expensive. Uh, because of the healthcare, it was affordable. So I used it a lot more than I should have. I got addicted to the drug and then I had to get off. So there was a positive and there's a negative aspect to that. With that said, is universal healthcare a good thing? Well, I think the interesting thing that you're, this, the underlying point that, mm. that is a problem with socialism in general, and that is a lack of prices. So what what I mean by that is- What do you mean by prices? So in general, prices communicate information. No, sorry. No, I mean like like prices, like for the listener, like prices of what? Everything. Okay. So when you consume goods in your day-to-day life, Mm -hmm. price communicates value mm-hmm. and, and especially as a society um 
when price is zero, inherently you're going to overconsume. Now, if it's water, who cares? But if it has something that has side effects or potentially addictive, mm-hmm. if you make that price zero, there's a moral hazard that now you can afford a hazardous consumption level. Yes. So obviously there's the flip side that we need. What about people? Like, here's the thing. The goal of universal healthcare is that costs do not deter a, a person from getting the healthcare they need. The problem is it is I don't want to say ignorant, but I want to say ignorant. The problem is that it's not the the outcome is not going to be the same. So if we could create a scenario where people will consume the exact same amount of healthcare that they need with with prices being where they naturally would occur. Mm-hmm. And we could make it so that costs aren't a barrier. That'd be great. But as I said, as price drops, my willingness to buy more is this is supply and demand. It's basic economics. Mm-hmm. When I make the price zero, I have I'm going to consume more because I right. can. I, I will. And that's what we see now. And that's your scenario. Yeah. Right. Because you said, oh, you took advantage of the scenario. You were able to the the medication was expensive, but you didn't have to pay out of pocket, bruh. I was only supposed to be on that joint for like a month. I was on it for 10 years. And after that, you know, after I came off the cold turkey, I was out of work for like a year and a half. Yeah. So (laughs) had the price been there, you would have only been on it for a month, potentially, maybe two. Because you're like, I can't afford this. Yeah, okay, but part, yeah, yeah, and I mind you, part of that is my personal responsibility. As yeah, well. but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> so, I guess here's the let me let me use a simpler example. With no, 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 no. What you just explained was very clear. Was very clear and accurate. But uh, let me ask you then, like, it, how is that? So you're saying that it's not good. So, the overconsumption in your scenario is is something people I think would agree with. And they'll be like, okay, we got to resolve that problem. Because the opioid crisis is something that everybody can acknowledge is a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a mass addiction problem that's partially related to, you know, cost being zero. But there's the addictive nature of opioids is a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think of, I, I've developed this example that, that I think demonstrates overconsumption really well. Because mm-hmm. you, can, you can expand this. You can scale up my example. So if we had a scenario where you went to the doctor, you need a diagnosis, tell you what's going on. And or or they wanted to confirm basically through a test that what they perceive is wrong is is right. If you have two tests available to you, one is ten dollars, and this is the free market pricing, ten dollars and a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. For the two different tests, the ten dollar test has like eighty percent accuracy. The hundred dollar test has ninety percent accuracy. In a scenario where it's a low risk problem, they're diagnosing. You're probably going to pay ten bucks. Yeah, I'm definitely just, taking the ten dollar holiday. I'll take rate. that. Oh, it just means, you know, I'm more informed, 
but I'm not at risk. There's not a big problem. I, I'm will. The value is ten dollars. So for me, the the test is only giving me ten dollars worth of value. So I'm only willing to pay for the ten dollar test. In a higher risk scenario, I'm gonna probably pay for the hundred dollar. I might even pay for both. In the scenario where you as a customer are paying zero, the doctor is gonna tell you to take both tests every time, right? Regardless of risk. Yeah, but that also creates backlog. Exactly. So now one person is doing two tests and at least one of those tests is likely unnecessary. And so there's overconsumption by that person because the doctor goes, well, I can prescribe both because it doesn't cost them anything. And, And how do you prevent that? Oh, well, the answer is more regulation on top of the government intervention that created the problem in the first place. Right? Because if the prices weren't zero, the market would have naturally resolved. As in, the person who needs a $10 test is going to take the $10 test because that's the value of what they need. And the $100 test, mm-hmm. maybe $110 because they're willing to pay for both. But you don't end up with the same backlog. The, the other side of... Um, so that, should, that demonstrates the, the overconsumption. The, the other side of this that's... It's so much deeper with regards to the socialism problem is from an economics perspective, the counter argument to socialism in general is called the calculation problem by Ludwig von Mises. And it demonstrates on a much higher level that prices communicate value. So think of over time, look at the best example is. Um, use audio listening over the last 30 years. We went from vinyls to eight tracks, to tapes, to CDs, to MP3s, and we've kind of gone back to vinyls a little bit too for quality reasons. As you transition from one technology to the next, the price of the old technology drops. Mm-hmm. And it sends a signal The reason it's dropping is not because it costs less to produce. It's because it's less valuable to the customer. Because there's an alternative that's a better quality or more. Maybe the music quality might be slightly lower, like when we transition away from vinyls, but it was more mobile. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be carrying around a boombox with a vinyl. I'm not going to be carrying around a tape deck with a vinyl. So the point, though, is, is that at some point, the government says, Oh, we're going to subsidize tape decks. Everyone gets tape decks for free. CDs don't have a chance. Because the prices of tape decks aren't responding to the fact that technology is becoming obsolete. So you're saying that the government involvement... It inhibits adoption of innovation. So I just read an article in uh, CPA Magazine, which is for accounting. There's a, it was about um, a woman who specializes in bringing in innovation to healthcare, mm-hmm. making, you know, telediagnostics um, as well as telecare. So like basically doing follow-ups via Skype, all about dropping costs. My point is if you had no government involvement, entrepreneurs have incentives to bring this in because the profit is that like you're able to meet the customer's needs maybe 
more effectively, more efficiently at the same price or less price. So now you're pulling customers away from that guy who's not adopting the new innovation. Mm. And so as much as we, I agree, need to take care of those who can afford healthcare, should we consider it socially responsible to, to have social safety nets such that nobody doesn't get the healthcare they need? 100%. But when government jumps in, the, the decisions about allocating resources, and this is the, the, the conclusion of the Ludwig von Mises calculation problem, it's that resource allocation does not adjust the way it should because prices and profits are signals to the changes. And when you've removed prices, that signal change is non-existent. Because in our case, we essentially have a government monopoly of healthcare. It's all through, it's all government spending, right? Whether it's this hospital or that hospital, mm -hmm. they're generally regional monopolies, right? The government's not going to let you build a new hospital right beside the old hospital. Well, see, but I think there's a point where I would disagree with that. Um, so I would say that. Healthcare is a good thing, uh, even like from a biblical perspective. So, so universal healthcare, you mean? Or use our universal healthcare, um, in that, like, I think I think what some libertarian theologians have overlooked is in their rejection of you know government involvement is that like when you look at a biblical theology of merciful government, mm -hmm. right? So the Bible encourages even like Israelite and foreign governments to show mercy uh, to the less fortunate, which we see in Psalm 82, verse 2, and Daniel 4, um, verse 27. So like when I mean by biblical theology, I mean like looking at the storyline of scripture and showing how, how there's a trajectory um, from start to finish that merciful government is something that God wants. So like beginning in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 28, God gives the cultural mandate, the first great commission to believers and unbelievers. This is a command to use creation to promote human flourishing. And we fast forward to the New Testament with Romans uh, chapter 13 verses 1 to 5 and then 1 Peter chapter 2 13 verse 13 to 14, uh, we get an outline of the purpose of government. So what is the purpose of government? To restrain evil, to punish wrongdoers, reward good, and to preserve order. A person who needs urgent care but can't receive it because uh, he's broke is chaos. So I'm saying this, you know, God has not only given unbelievers the command to help others through their creative means, but also he has given them uh, the venue to execute their philanthropy. So the healthcare system uh, is God's imperfect means uh, to comfort those who are hurting. Do you, do you follow him? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it just becomes, like I see what you're saying in that, there's a moral responsibility, but I would say I, I, nothing I said was in disagreement with that. Mm -hmm. But question becomes how? And this is where, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but we've had this conversation where I've said, 
or I know I had it in a Facebook post. I do not cons- I, I consider the Bible to be largely silent on economics. It is highly informative for me, and I would say the whole world, on morality. So the fact that I need to take care of my neighbor who's sick mm-hmm. is described in the Bible as moral. Mm-hmm. How I go about doing that, the Bible is largely silent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tell me I, doing it through government is the means. So let's apply the current scenario in Ontario of OHIP Plus to, to, to break down and, and to really bring this home for the listener. Mm-hmm. My, what I've been saying, how does what I've been saying contrast with the OHIP Plus, right? So OHIP Plus is about creating universal farming care. That's, let's say, the objective. The, whether How well or not they achieve it is irrelevant. That's the objective. Let's use the opioid, opioid crisis to say how my, my perspective would apply that. Charities that took care of people who needed pharmacare but limited addiction would receive more money for, in a donation perspective than the charities that provide pharmacare but have a high rate of addiction. So they, the the charity has a vested interest not only in the care of their patients, but in terms of achieving, you know, the pharmacology they need, but also in making sure it's not abused, to make sure there's qualified their, their their reputation is at stake, which means their funds are at stake. The government solution, funds are not at stake. Okay, okay, and all I just want to say is that the government was created by the creation. Sorry. What I'm saying is that uh, government was created by the Christian God, but it's not a Christian institution. I would argue that through unbalanced, though it's unbalanced, um, the creation of the healthcare system is God using government as his servant for your physical good. So yes, the church started the healthcare system, but I also find that They've withdrawn and letting the state take over. Mm-hmm. So there's, I think that let is a strong a, term. Pardon? Let is a strong term. Oh, they're pushed out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, you know, the church but is anyways, pushed out. There's been a transition. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, the point I'm making is just that I think there's need for for both. I think there, there there's need for the common man, the church, um, other ventures to meet healthcare needs, but I also believe that. There's also more than enough need to have both government and um, the individual or the church. Um, I would affirm what you're saying by rephrasing that there's a social responsibility. Again, I just don't think government is the effective means for that social responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and largely because I view government, well, we have government on such an aggregate level. So if we, and this is a, me getting into a liber, little bit of like libertarian ideology, if we had government on a very local level, right? So almost to this extent of like by community where this community says, hey, everybody here contributes 10% of their income as a means to f- you know, insurance against healthcare, 
meet costs. But this next community says, oh, we're only going to charge you 2%. And this next community says 5%. What is appropriate is determined through market competition and voluntary. The fact you're going to have some communities that say, you're on your own. If you want to be on your own, you go, you live here. And, and now society will allow for competition for how they believe morality uh, with regards to healthcare should be funded. Because the, obviously the community that says 0% says everything is like, we're not deciding it. You can donate 2%. You can donate 10% to this charity that, that will help those who can't afford it themselves. So my point is, Bringing government down to the most micro levels is the solution, right? Why should my city that is so big have one rate for picking up garbage, right? With regards to property tax. Why, why not community by community? Again, it goes back to this idea of when the cost is zero for me, now on a now let's say per community each community is evaluating is this garbage provider is this healthcare insurance provider is this hospital meeting our needs if they're not i'm going to go to the competition so it's about for me it's about introducing competition back into the government monopoly of healthcare because the competition is what drives prices down it's what drives innovation it's what makes entrepreneurs enter the market because they see how bad someone else is doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and at that, I would agree. I would agree. I'm just saying that's not our situation now. No, you're right. So, and I'm not saying blow it up and tomorrow we all have no healthcare. It's about how do we transition? So people who are like, oh no, you're not allowed to buy healthcare yourself. Well, we do. The rich leave the country, go to the U.S., get the healthcare they need because they don't have five months to wait for it. Mm-hmm. So why not allow that to ha- that economic activity to stay within the country? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's about introducing free market solutions slowly, progression, showing that it's actually making us better off. Okay, and all and all I'm saying is that you know we can't just write off government uh, because the system's not perfect or it's um, imbalanced. Uh, again, it's it's helpful. It's not perfect, but it's helpful. That's my two cents. Yeah, and as I've I've said all along, we have a responsibility to take care of our community. Yes, so, I agree. Um, the current means is universal health care. Um, but pretending like the consequences are just going to go away by throwing more money at it, I think is is ignorant to economics. Yeah, and also informing people that there are issues that need to be fixed. Yeah, because maybe the majority of people, you know, when you go to your day to day doctor, all the the problem you perceive is I got to wait an hour, mm-hmm. right? When you go to the dentist, how come you're in the chair in five minutes? When you go to the doctor, you're in the chair waiting in the, with seven other people going, I wonder who's next. No, I, I don't sit around the sick people. I wait outside. <laughs> but the point being, there's, there's a bunch of people in there and you're going, 
I don't even know if I'm next. I go to the dentist. Nobody's in the, everybody's in a chair and I'm the only one waiting. And they've got three chairs in the back and they're all full. So it, there's, there are signals that there's a problem. But I think to your point, most people don't pick up those signals to realize yep. that the that, that change is needed because we're, we're heading in a, this is, all these problems are getting worse. They're not getting better. And more money in Ontario has been the answer for the liberals and it hasn't solved the problems. Well, I hope this was helpful for the listener in regards to like laying down a foundation of uh, some of the in and outs of our healthcare system. And uh, this is definitely an issue we'll definitely come back to over and over again. Uh, but but we just want to make sure we get all these little um, foundational things out of the way. All right. Well, that's my two cents. It's my two cents. Hit us up. Tell us where you think we're wrong. Twitter, social, uh, Facebook. Email us, sixcentsreport at gmail.com and uh, at sixcentsreport on social media. But you heard me? Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media. 